Welcome back to the Goal of Standard, episode eight. We've got a lot of content for you guys, which includes a recap of our game against UMass, our game against Mason, and our game against Davidson. We also discussed the the big win against St. Joe's, our rival. Uh, We'll also obviously talk about the future. We'll talk about Richmond, as well as how LaSalle is going to play moving forward. And then last but not least, we've got Rich's A-10 power rankings. But first, we've got to talk about a recent departure from the LaSalle basketball program. Ayende Hakeem has entered the transfer portal. And my first thought is this is a really big loss for us. When you look at Ayende Hakeem and, and what he brought to the table, when we played Dayton, he came in when we were struggling to start the game, and he set us straight. He got us going on. So, Rich, I don't know any more thoughts you have about Ayende, but that's my first statement on on uh, the loss of our of our uh, our guard. Yeah, I mean, like coming into the season, we really thought he was going to be the point guard. You know, I thought he was going to ha- have the key to like Ashley Howard's team. Um, but the thing is, he kind of fell out of the rotation and wasn't getting as many was wasn't getting as many minutes as we thought with the season. Um, obviously, with uh, you know Jameer Brickus, um, Mr. Gill, and you know we kind of fell out of the guard rotation. It's kind of a shame, yeah. like you said in the Dayton game, he provided a key spark in that game. A lot of people don't remember the fact that Lasalle was down sixteen to two in that game, and then put in the end day and. You know, I think they cut the halftime lead. You know, it was thirty to twenty-five, and they were able to pull it out in the second half. Yeah, that's but, right. Um, I agree. Um, the, the the trend. This is becoming a. I, I wouldn't call it a trend yet. Sorry, I didn't mean to say trend, but you know that that leaves two guys that have left in the middle of the season. We have Brandon Stone departed for Robert Morris University. And now Ayanda Hakeem entered the transfer portal. Is this is this something to be concerned about, Rich? I mean, absolutely. And then, you know, Ed Crosswell last year, this is the third within a year. It kind of it, – it does – it is very concerning. I think it's kind of alarming um, that these – I mean, that people are leaving the program. I don't know. I mean, it's a very tough kind of situation where they have a kind of a crowded backcourt kind of forces Ashley Howard, you know, everyone's around the same talent level, but it's like, he doesn't want anyone to leave. So like you've said so many times, it's like, it's his kind of like puzzle piece. He's trying to, I guess, piece together this kind of roster. And, you know, there's what, 200 minutes to play every single game between the five positions. And he's trying to, you know, finagle a way to kind of make everyone happy and win at the same time and keep and it's it's not easy because it's not like he has superstars. He has guys all around the same level. So right, it, it's very it's very tough. Yeah, I wish that we could trade. Like if one of these guards elects to leave, I wish we could trade him for uh for a four or a five, like <laughs> someone to solidify our front court. It's it's like well, our our guard play was our strength, and now we've lost we lost the guy that was like a huge part of our of our core, like of our rotation. Feels like I mean, obviously his minutes dwindled a bit but i still think he he could have come in and he's one of those guys where you throw a dart at the dartboard and he gives you 10 points four assists and it's like really great to see um so with his departure yes that makes ash's job a little bit easier because that means it's one less person to give minutes to but we don't get better i don't think we get better because 
these guys are young. Um, nobody is, is the guy. Nobody can come out and just drop 20. So it's, it's always going to be a, an issue. This, this isn't great for the grand scheme of things. I don't know what the scholarship, uh, the scholarship situation is now with two guys leaving mid midway through the season. Um, we'll have to look into that and report back on, on how many guys we can offer next season. Honestly, it sounds like our first, obviously Ash's first priority is to try and get some, some big man from another school to come in and transfer. I mean, that, that to me, that's my first priority. Um, I, Rich, I, I just don't know how they're going <laughs> to, when you see people leave, I guess it does raise some red flags for future recruits. I hope that they, nobody looks into that too much. And it was merely just the minutes thing. Um, if it's anything more than that, we're in deep trouble and, and it's going to make Ash's job a whole lot more difficult to, to rebuild this program. Yeah. I mean, I feel yeah, like Ian Day was that guy. I mean, he was a real spark plug and he was probably like the fastest guy, like one of the faster guys on the team to get the bucket. Um, like I feel like at will. Yeah. Um, I feel like he was kind of like a vocal guy, like, you could always hear him on the bench. You know, he kind of had a, um, I don't know, like a soft, I don't know soft pitch voice, but you could always kind of hear his voice. Yes. It was kind of unique from everyone else's. Um, so he'll definitely be missed. But it just kind of felt like over time that he kind of like fell out of the rotation or I don't know if he was always in like Ashley Howard's doghouse. I'd be like, some games I'd be like, why isn't he in yet? Or like, why is he in today? So yeah. I guess that kind of answers that question. Right. But like you said, um, going forward, like, I don't know what's going to happen with the two scholarships they'll have to fill or how they get, or how that will, what happens with those. But, um, it'll be interesting to see how they fill those. Yeah. Uh, next year. Definitely. So with, with the end departure, I mean, the team, we'll, we'll talk about this more, but the team seemed fine. Like we had a really great game against St. Joe's the, the day after, uh, he, it was announced that he left. So, um, it seems like the culture is still there. It seems like we're not collapsing due to people leaving. Um, but we'll, we'll talk about the St. Joe's game. First, we got to switch gears here and talk about the three games prior to St. Joe's. We had uh, all three very bad losses, I would consider. Um, this, these, this was like a very, very tough stretch for us. Um, basically, we can start with UMass, Rich. Um, Trey Mitchell's pretty much still was able to get his, get anything he wanted. Um, and their rangy guards were just incredible. We could not find an answer for them. What we thought was like our calling card, our, our defense seems to be really lacking against UMass, Rich. What do you say? Yeah. Um, actually, that game, I think Trey Mitchell only had like seven points. but He did? Um, no way. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure he only had like seven points. But it was just like Okay, correct me. 11 points. Trey Mitchell kind of had 11 <laughs> points, but th- that game, I mean, it's been so long. I pretty much forget, to be honest, but I know I, – I, like, I, I think their perimeter defense wasn't that good, and, I mean, we started out in the first half. We were down 45 to 21, um, and I, I don't think our shooting was that good – was on. I know uh, before that game we were on with – um, the UMass, the on UMass podcast, Kerry Hicks Sage, and um, you know we were kind of hype going into this game. Um, before that, before the UMass game, uh, we were we were two and one in conference. We were coming off 
um, a Fordham victory where he won by, I think, 37 points. So we were kind of high at that point. And then before that, we beat Dayton so before we lost to UMass at our first conference game. So we, to that point, it was like – it was kind of like I feel like we were overreacting. <laughs> yeah. Going into the kind of these – I mean, we were allowed to – I feel like allowed to overreact because we didn't expect to beat Dayton and then we blew out Fordham. But, I mean, it's Fordham. And it was only their second game at that point because we're in play all season. So, right. I would say this was a very was, a very humbling game. I would say overall, no, absolutely. Was, we were riding high off of those two big wins, and then, and then, uh, yeah, you're right. Trey Mitchell, okay, Trey Mitchell only had 11 points. That's good, but, but it seemed like everyone else had their way, and our our defense just wasn't there. They there were some uh, pretty bad runs, I believe, like like a 20 point. UMass went on like a 20 point run. Um, yeah, it was ugly. Uh, so it got really ugly really fast, and and you got to win in the away games, man. You got to we've got to play well on the road. That's a sign of a good team, and we we could not even come close to 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 making this game interesting. Um, it just made us think. It made us feel like the Dayton game was an anomaly. So, and then I guess <laughs> moving along to uh, you know, I have a little a little rant, uh, a little six minute rant um, that you can see on Anchor or any of the podcasts. Um, <laughs> that was just. Uh, an absolute disaster. We lost to Mason by 33. We had we scored 42 points, and I feel like that was just a kind of the story that's been our one of our issues all season. Is that if a team has a talented front court like Mason does with um, Oduro and Wilson, and they kind of dominated, and we could not find the ocean. Jack Clark, um, Sharif Kenny, and Scott Spencer were combined six of 36 Ooh. from the field, which is like 16.67%. So that's just terrible. That's... And you're not going to win when, you know, those three guys who I feel like are the ones who are the ones who are going to, I feel like, attempt majority of three-pointers. And I feel like more for less how to win, that's what they're going to need to do. And that it just – that was this. It was just an awful, awful game. Yeah. That honestly – there's not much more to say about the game against George Mason. Um, the the road woes continue, and it's a it's a game I wanted to for, forget because you think about the UMass game. Okay, you know, all right, that was just a that was just an awful game all around. They're they're not going to repeat it, and they did. They they repeated their terrible terrible performance, and they were even worse. I would say that they were even worse than their game against UMass. Um, so against Mason, yeah. I think yeah, the game against yeah, it's like, was worse than the game against UMass. Oh, oh, wow, absolutely. I mean, they lost by 33 points. It's like, it was just, you know, I feel like that was kind of a turning point game. It's like for LaSalle, you kind of hang their hat on their perimeter defense. And then it's like UMass is UMass like just a bad matchup because at that point, before we played George Mason, our two conference losses were just a UMass. And then Mason, they just blew us out. And it was just, an all-around kind of a, a clunker of a game. Yeah. Like, Mason dominated on offense. Mason dominated on defense. And, like, we couldn't – like, we shot 26% from the field. It, it was it was ugly. 18 turnovers. It was bad. Yeah. It seems like our defense is great when there aren't – they're, like, they're superstars or, like, not superstars, but, like, impact players. Someone always goes off. It, it's, like – Actually, game plans really well for everybody. We're defending really well for everybody, and then there's somebody that goes off. There's somebody that like just nails a bunch of threes. Um, 
I would say it's like a team effort, but sometimes it's like just one guy, like a Trey Mitchell or AJ Wilson. We just can't contain him. We we have they have a thorough game plan. You can tell the, the defensive intensity is there, but when these these guys come out that are like all A ten honors, they come out and they have career nights against us. It's so it's happened so often, and I I don't know how they're gonna fix it because when we like, here, let's shift let's shift gears over to Davidson. Right. This Let game, me, I want to touch. I want to say one more thing. Oh yeah, sure. I want to say one more thing. Sure. So another thing that I kind of stand up with this game was Sal's leading score was had seven points. Four people had seven points. So I feel like that's just like an ugly, just an ugly stat. I mean, I feel like that just shows how bad of a game this was. That's terrible. I, I'm glad <laughs> I didn't know that on that day when we played him because I would have been tweeting a lot of nonsense yeah. on our account. That sucks. Yeah. I didn't even know that, man. But... I honestly blocked the game from my memory. And, wow, it just got worse. When it rains, it pours. And then – so I guess we'll sh- yeah let's shift gear- gears to Davidson yeah, yeah, and Davidson has always had her number. I think we're two and seven. We were two and seven against them in in, in like the all time matchup. So we've always mm-hmm. had problems with Davidson. Their coach is incredible. Can't can't say that enough. They are a well oiled machine. Literally the opposite of us in in almost every way. Their defense is better than ours. Their offense is extremely talented. They make the right decisions every single time they were coming down the court. It is so difficult to figure out how to stop them. Uh, Brejkovic. Did you expect yeah, Brejkovic to be off to a, such a hot start at the beginning of this game? Once again, it's that theme. It's like mm-hmm. some guy no. just comes out of nowhere mm-hmm. and just drops like 15 points out of nowhere. And we're like, why can't we stop yeah. him? Why can't we key him up? It's like he, he was like a ghost. Like he just he just arrived and he messed it all up for us. That's what it feels like against Davidson. Yeah, he, like like you said, like you were saying about how one guy can kind of come in. And then I thought that was a pretty good segue. It's like Rakovic because early on he just dominated. I think Kimbrough was guarding him and Rakovic was just dominating. Um, Carter Collins also put in 24 points. But when I was watching this game – the thing that I was fascinated by Davidson, how many easy layups they got. It's like they were making these cuts, and then they have a guy run baseline, and they make a pass, and the layup was there. And there was like five of them. I was like, wow. I mean, the way that um, McKillop was able to coach them, like, the, the, like those were like easy ten points. Oh. Um, <laughs> it, it was. It, they looked really, really good. And I feel like I was like, you know, coming back, you know, they played UMass, who has pretty good front court, you know, Trey Mitchell. Um, and then Mason has Arduro and A.J. Wilson. So I was like, Davidson's a little different, but I was I was hoping to see that perimeter defense I saw, like, earlier in the um, A-10 conference schedule, and I just didn't see it. And I feel like I was like, like, this team is, like, who we – like, who we think they are. Yeah. So, but – It just feels like – by this third game, we've lost three in a row. At this point, I'm saying defense is not our calling card. We don't have yeah. our defense. Sucks. Like blow it up, blow it up. Yeah. yeah. It, when we were we were talking up our defense a lot, like that was it. Like we're going to be dogs, like tenacious. And they just but they proved it at that point, though. Like at that point, they were that. But these three games, it's like oh, I feel like we can't say that anymore. No, we can't. Yeah. It's so uncertain. It's so uncertain. That is that is the worst yeah. part about that that three game skid that we went on 
we did not it's becoming a common theme. We had no identity, offense or defense, which is which was a scary fact. And then, well, lo and behold, the one win St. Joe's team arrives to to boost morale. You could say <laughs> that game against St. Joe's felt like an anomaly in many ways. St. Joe's was without Ryan Daly, and <laughs> if you need to pick me up. If you want your your team to get you know get a morale boost, play St. Joe's this year, because you, you chances are you'll beat them, and we we really beat them. That was kind of like all the frustration of the past three games unleashed on the Hawks. Yeah, I mean, going into this game, you know, we were on um, Anthony Morelli's podcast, um, Tony's takes. I think I said that right. Correct me if I'm wrong. No, um, you're right. <laughs> we've been on a um, we've been on a media tour yeah it's been pretty cool you know kind of building the camaraderie with a lot of these like eight ten podcasts it's it's pretty cool you know we've been doing this for a couple of months and i feel like you know we've, we've come a long way since then i feel like we're you know producing some good content um but going back to this game you know we were on uh tony's take po- tony's takes his podcast anthony morelli and um previewing the st joe's game we all fought I will say I was going to win this game, you know, kind of handily. You know, they were kind of down St. Joe's. Um, I mean, the score indicates seven-point game, but it, it pretty much, you know, the first half, Sal um, was up six, but then they kind of dominated the second half. And then it was like, are they going to fall apart at the end? But one thing I did see in the first half that I was kind of impressed with St. Joe's was was I think Jack Forrest, I think his yeah. name is. And he didn't miss a shot. He was six to six. And then he didn't take a shot in the second half until like eight minutes when I was like, what are you doing? He was like six to six at 18 points. Like we couldn't stop him. And then Billy Lang doesn't he doesn't get a shot until like late in the second half. I'm like, what are you yeah, doing? That was weird. That was weird. That was exactly the same thing with Brekovich. Jack Forrest comes in, has a, a career first half, like incredible, yeah. <laughs> on fire. Yep. It's like yep. why why can't we key in on this guy guy? Why can't we stop him? Thankfully, Billy Lange decided to just kill, just get rid of him. He he was a non-factor in the second half. Terrible coaching on on his side. That that's that's an issue for St. Joe's. I feel bad for them because you can see just so many problems and so many issues that they have to figure out. Ryan Daly aside, that team is struggling for sure. And fortunately, we were able to win this game. the The ending was a head scratcher because we're. Typically, de- we're typically pretty good at breaking the press, and Jameer Brickus is the guy to bring the ball up. But we were struggling at the end there. That was a little bit scary. But I, I had the feeling I was like, "There's no way we're going to lose this game. There's no way." Like we we had an incredible second half aside from that, and it, it felt like a great bounce back game. But when you just look at St. Joe's as a whole, it just didn't feel like much more than a win. Not like. They're yeah. just, they're just not a very good team. They're they're definitely a pillow fight, bottom four A ten team, and I'm I'm thankful we had to we got them scheduled on, at that point because we needed to pick me up. Yeah, we really we really did. Um, but I don't know I don't know why I think this. Maybe it's because I went to St. Joe's Prep and I saw that kind of um, like Jesuit blood in me. For some reason, I don't think St. Joe's like they always put up points, like. I feel like their offense is never lacking, but it's the defense that I feel like is like their Achilles heel. Um, two other things I kind of want to talk about is Jared Kimbrough. No one saw that coming. 24 points. I was, you know, I've been asking kind of all season, like, 
is LaSalle going to have a guy score 20 points in the game? <laughs> and it was Jared Kimbrough. No one would have thought that. You know what I mean? Coming into the game, if I would ask you, LaSalle is going to have a 20-point score in this game. Who is it going to be? You have been lying if you would have said yeah, Jared Kimbrough. for sure. And then um, Laporier, Le, I'm butchering his last name. But uh, behind Creek? Taylor Funk, yeah. He, he like, we, we learned and, and we kind of knew that he, was, he wasn't very good on defense. And Jared was able to feast. That was incredible. Good kudos to Jared yeah. because he's throughout this tumultuous past two seasons. He's been there, just doing what he can, like contributing where he can. He he knows like he play he plays within himself. Like I'd be fine with him getting some more minutes in the in the right situations because when he's feeling confident, that's what you get right there. Yeah, I mean he's kind of like. In and out of the rotations, like I feel like last year, you know, he I think he was starting most of the time, and Clifton Moore came in from Indiana, and he sees his minutes um, kind of go down, and he's now those rotations. But I mean, this game, it's got to be big for his confidence. Sure. Uh, I know you tweeted that one play, you know, um, Brickus was going up for the lob, and um, Kimbrough wasn't really prepared for it. It kind of looked like, you know, he was blocking his own um, <laughs> pass, and then he responded. Responded to you on Twitter. I thought I was, I was pretty. Yeah, funny. he follows us on but, Twitter. Um, you know, he, he really made yeah, up for shout it. Shout out Jared Kimbrough. I do recall quite the, the game. Season, Jared has some comedy routines on on his. I think he has a TikTok. He he can laugh with it. So like, I was glad. I was like, please don't hate us, Jared. Like, that's the last thing we want is a player on the team to hate us and like somehow like ruin chemistry or something like that. So kudos to Jared for being a good sport about that tweet. He must have read it, and it, so maybe it was maybe it was because of us that we. He got 24 points. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> All right. One, one more thing I want to say. Uh, that one pass that Brickus had behind the back of Kimbrough, that was such a sick pass. It made it on SportsCenter Top right. 10. That was that, that was, was awesome. That was a great time because I knew when we tweet about Jameer Brickus, everyone loves that. He's like the hometown hero. Mm-hmm. Coatesville, stand-up. <laughs> Everybody is on his team. It's incredible, including everybody – Everybody loves Jameer Brickus, including Bronny James, LeBron James's son, who we found out has been following Jameer at least since 2019, that he's liked his posts. And Bronny even shared one of Jameer Brickus's IG stories to Instagram. Ooh. So Bronny has like 5.8 million followers. That's a great recruiting tool, <laughs> bottom line. You know what I mean? When 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 players, yeah, throw anything at that. You know what I mean? To throw throw anything with that, you, you'll know what's going to stick. Yeah, you never know. It it felt that was cool. That was like a, you know, put Lasalle on the map kind of moment. Like Jameer Brickus needs to be protected at all costs. He's obviously the future, and uh, we got to ride with him because all the whole city's riding with him. Um, he's he's kind of like a hero in some some respects. So he's five eleven, maybe even five ten, and he can dunk. And he can just basically do it all. He's our facilitator. He's our Tyreek Jaren. Yeah. And he will hopefully lead us to the promised land. <laughs> yeah. No, I, and the one thing, I mean, yeah, he had two dunks in that game. And I really want to see him going forward to look for his own. Because I feel like he's always, you know, looking for others, that point guard. But I know he's more than capable of scoring. Definitely. I mean, like like we've kind of beat, like, beat the head. Like we've said so many times that, you know, he was a lean scorer in his high school, and he passed Rip Hamilton and the other guy. I can't remember his name. But he definitely has a scoring potential, and I know – I feel like he always looks the pass, but I'm, I am know that he can get his own. So I feel like it's a matter yeah. of time. 
That's right. I tweeted this out, but who was it? Yeah. Upon this rock, I will build my church. <laughs> Ashley Howard says, upon this brickus, I will build my program. That's the way it is. No, I love it. I love it. <laughs> All right. Well, shifting gears, we just came off a nice win, but we've got one of the top tier Atlantic 10 teams. We've, we're visiting Richmond. At Richmond, we've got basically – well, Richmond's coming off a 14-day layover because of COVID. So they're going to be a little rusty, we hope. But uh, what are your thoughts on our game against Richmond? Yeah. Um, yesterday we were on the Spider Scoop podcast with uh, Noah Goldberg. and The media tour continues. Um, yeah. Yep. Um, just previewing that game. And I feel this is go- obviously this, this is going to be a tough game. Um, I don't know if we're able to sneak one out because, like you said, they haven't played in two weeks. So you don't know, you know, what kind of shape they're in. And, you know, I don't know how together they've been. But I feel like in order for LaSalle to have a shot against Richmond, I feel like it kind of comes down to playing good premier defense that we haven't seen in a while. Um, and also being able to make three-point shots. I feel like three-point shot hasn't been too kind to them lately, um, especially against uh, like Davidson and Mason, and I think even UMass. But so if they can kind of do that, I think they can kind of be in the game, but it's going to be tough. I mean, Richmond definitely has one of the best starting fives in the A-10, definitely in the, in the top three, in my opinion, um, you know, with, with Gilliard and Francis and KO and Burton and Golden. Those guys are just a dynamic unit. So we're going to have our work cut out yeah, for us. Definitely. And uh, we're not great on the road. Grant Golden is kind of no. like a floor general. No. And – I will beat this drum again. Our front court isn't that great. So Clifton is going to have to play incredibly on defense. And basically, <laughs> I don't like our chances. I don't like our chances like in the backcourt. Um, I, I really am unsure of how we're going to perform against them because if we make any kind of mistakes, Richmond's going to capitalize and blow the doors off of us. So it, it's going to be one of those bend, don't break things. Um we literally just have to keep going back to the tape against Dayton and hope that we can play exactly the same way we played against Dayton. Basically we don't miss a shot and uh, we hold our own and, 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 you know, Gilliard has, has an off day that 14 day layover might, might be uh, a factor here. We were saying LaSalle might cover. Um, I'm a little skeptical, but you didn't. Um, yeah, you, you said they'll cover actually, right, Rich? I said, I said, I said they'll cover. Um, I, I said it would be a Richmond 74-66 win, but um, I feel like LaSalle never plays well down there at the yeah. Robin Center. I feel like they've been playing Gilliard and Golden for such a long yeah. time. Um, to kind of ask you your own type of question, you know, you say the um, there's always like one guy who kind of goes off. For me, if you were to say for Richmond, like who's going to be Richmond's high score in this game? I think it's going to be I think it's going to be Gilliard. I've also I'll say he scores around like 20 okay. or more. He's their leading guy. Who would yeah, you say? Yeah, I was going to say – What I'm not going to go with Gilliard because you did. Blake Francis is obviously okay. their second best guard. Right. But I'm going to stick with what I know we've struggled with in the past, and that's the front court. That would be Grant Golden. He, mm. uh, We learned okay. that Grant Golden isn't the type to like 
be like an offensive juggernaut, but mm-hmm. <laughs> I could totally see him going off for like 20, 25 points. So my, my vote is Grant Golden will be our what? thorn in LaSalle's side this game. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, I can, I can see that. I feel like another guy to watch out for is Tyler Burton. I feel like he's like a jack-of-all-trades guy. Um, so I feel like, you know, I'd keep him on the radar yeah, as well. Agreed. Well, looking forward to that game. It's at 2.30 again against Richmond, and uh, it'll be on NBC Sports Network, so nationally televised game. Great to see that. Uh, hopefully we come out of away with a win and uh, get to go home happy. Let's, uh, let's move along to not just Richmond – but the outlook of the Explorers going forward, we're almost to midway part of the season. We have seen a lot of ups, a lot of downs. Will the ups and downs continue? Will we see some sort of continuity? Rich, what do you think? What is your outlook with LaSalle moving forward, not just for Richmond, but all the games after that? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say they kind of – I feel like they're going to kind of continue like this. I think they'll kind of beat up, um, you know, the lesser teams. You know, they'll – I think what they probably play St. Joe's again. They play Florida again. I could see a win. I see them maybe beating George Washington and Duquesne. But I think um, they play Rhode Island. I don't see them beating Rhode Island. And maybe – like, yeah, I think, I think they'll beat those, you know, three teams below them. And they'll kind of struggle with the – the middle tier teams like them, like UMass and Mason, I think, the, and then I think they'll, I think they'll maybe, I don't know, they'll lose, say, Rhode Island, VCU, but there's one game, there, I'll say they'll, won, they'll win one game, they'll be, and you'll be like, LaSalle won? Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? I, I think you're, you'll probably be in agreement yeah. with me. I agree with you there. There's always going to be some sort of upset alert, and, and we'll be ready for that yeah. on Twitter, but. I agree with you, Rich. I think that the outlook of this season <laughs> of is, is is definitely going to be a lot of ups and downs. The yeah, like they are now on that bumpy exactly, kind of slope. Exactly. the 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 thing that I'm focused on is avoiding the pillow fight. Will LaSalle not be a bottom four team um, entering the Atlantic Ten tournament? I think they can do it. I think they can escape the pillow fight. Really, barely by the skin of our teeth. Okay. We obviously mm-hmm. afford them at the last on the last day or the last game on our schedule. Um, and we can pull off an upset somewhere down the road. Uh, I, I could see us maybe really shooting well when Richmond visits us at the Tom Gold Arena. And that could be one. Uh, maybe we go to VCU and stun them. Not likely. But um, those two are the games that I'm <laughs> keeping my eye on as potential upsets down the road. But other than that, it's the whole goal here is to avoid the pillow fight. If we avoid the pillow fight, I'll have a little bit of optimism for the season next for next season. Um, the bottom line is though, Ash needs to get more talent. It feels like if we can, we like our freshmen are, are our best asset, which says a lot about our upperclassmen. So it, it means we need help. The bottom line is it means we need a lot of help. So the off season is going to be very important for our explorers and yeah. What do you think? Do you think we can get some big name recruit, some transfer like? Can Ash work his magic here? Because we, we are desperate for someone who can get buckets and is like basically a Jameer Brickus, but like at the four or five position. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a really good question. You know, coming into this season, um, 
you know, we have four freshmen. I think what well, Darius Ward is um, redshirted. And then you had four sophomores and then Jack Clark, who's a um, redshirt sophomore. But it's like two of those sophomores yeah. are gone, you know. Stone's gone. Allende's gone. So um, the thing is you only lose Beattie and Spencer. I mean, I guess, you know, it's a COVID year, so it's like they have an extra year. But it's like who are they going to add to the pipeline to make them more competitive? It's like is it going to be type of organic yeah. growth? Are these individual players, since they're younger, going to get better? Or it's like – or it's external. Are they going to bring guys in, either recruiting or transfers, who are going to, you know – make them better like yeah. from the get-go i mean you know we have Deshaun shepherd coming in from archbishop wood uh i don't know about yeah you know what i mean throw i don't know if look at my eight ball i don't know if it's going to say yes to the fact that they're going to be able to get um needed help yeah. to the front court either transfer or you know do you a, think we just gave ashley like another year basically it sounds like we're giving him an excuse it sounds like we're yeah. giving him like an yeah. extension yeah you're right because yeah our team is extremely young and our, our upperclassmen aren't very talented so it's like i, I want to see i i just want to keep ashley a few yeah, more you're years right it's like, like everyone says like year four is a big year but i still don't think we'll have a clear picture year four the the team is too young no yeah you're right i feel like his clear year is probably like, you know, I feel like when you're like Christian Ray and I mean, you thought it would be Andy, I guess at this point it's like Christian Ray yeah. and Kenny. Like that was, I thought, you know, the class that I thought was, you know, Andy, Kenny, Ray and Stone, but it's like two of those guys are there. And like, that was the class I thought he was going to hang her hat on. And it's like, now, yeah. it, you know what I mean? It kind of like, yeah, it's I don't like the cupboard is still like half full. Like he's, yeah. It's like you still don't know what you're like. If I'm reaching in, it's like, is the glass like? You know what I mean? Is it half full? Is it half empty? Yeah, I don't think like, we'll know next know season yet. either. But that's just me looking into my crystal ball. Who knows? Maybe maybe they'll turn it around and we went. It's, like, it's like how much right. time can you right. buy himself? You're right. Though? I mean, it's like if we still have this thought and next season, it's like, well, like you know what I mean? Eventually, yeah. something's yeah. going to have to give. Yeah, if the results aren't there, I'm gonna keep the faith because of the masterful job he did with recruiting Jameer Brickus and Anwar Gill. Those two are incredible so far. Will they develop? That's important. But you are, yeah. yeah that's I feel like that's I'm question, really happy yeah. with their how how they are so far. So let's let's keep it rolling, and uh, maybe by like year six, <laughs> can you imagine? Maybe year six, we, we, we've got like nah. a squad that can be competitive. But that's honestly how long it might take. That's, that's, that's the youth we're dealing with. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, if we're in year three, I don't know. I would okay, say you're going to say five. year five, he's gone if he can't it, produce. No, not, not gone, but like that's, yeah. that's the prove it year. Okay. Year five. Because that would mean Kenny and Ray are seniors. And I guess Jack Clark would be a senior. He's a fifth year senior. And then. Brickus and Gill or juniors. So I, but who knows what can happen to that point. Let's hope for the best. So let's finish up this episode of the pod. Um, Rich, you have your A10 power rankings. Everyone loves it. We'll we'll probably tweet it out too, not to spoil it, but let's get some listeners first before we tweet this stuff out. Uh, Rich, who do you got on the A10 power rankings? There's been a lot of big games, a lot of close games in the A10. And it seems like 
teams are kind of beating each other up as well. Um, but let's hear your uh, your fourteen. I feel like I've never watched as much Big Ten basketball <laughs> as I have. We're obsessed um, now. During during this, we're obsessed. You know, I got that ESPN Plus per, um, subscription. I feel like getting really good use out of it. Like, all right, so number one, I'm I'm going to go. I mean, I feel yeah, like you got to go St. Bonaventure. I mean, St. Louis hasn't played um, a conference game yet. St. Bonaventure with a thrilling win. I mean, they um, or VCU yesterday. I mean, they were down by. 15 and a half, and um, they outscored them by 31 points in the second half. I mean, no, we like our Bonnie guys, but I, I mean, no bias aside, I got to go them one. I know I just said this, but I'm, I'm, I'm still going to put St. Louis too. I think they're still kind of too talented of a team. Um, they have a good coach. He's been around the block. I mean, they got a senior-laden team, you know, Goodwin, French, um, Perkins, Yuri Collins. Like, those guys are legit. And, all right, so right below them, I'm going to go Richmond. Like I said, like, for, like, those three teams, like, Bonaventure, St. Louis, Richmond, their starting fives are legit. Like, they're all – Absolutely. They're all really good. Yeah. Like, I, I love watching them. Their, their starting fives are really good. So, I'm going to go Richmond, three. B, four, I'm going to go VCU. Um, I feel like they're right below those three teams, but I feel like they're a little tier below. Um, I feel like – they don't have – their starting five isn't as good, but, you know, they have Bones Highland and um, they have Mike Rhodes, who's a very, very good coach. Uh, five, I'm going to go Davidson. I mean, LaSalle just got their butt kicked by Davidson. You know, mikhail has been around the block. Kellen Grady's a senior. He's been there for a while, and they have some really good pieces. Um, six, I'm going to go Dayton. You know, <laughs> LaSalle beat them, but uh, I feel like they've recovered since then. I mean, and Fordham, you know. Dude, Donald Household's happy about that, but – um. I mean, Dayton's still kind of, you know, had a couple good victories. You know, people were a lot were pretty upset, all the Dayton fans, when they lost to, you know, LaSalle and Fordham. But I feel like they're still in the mix. Yeah. UMass, I'll go right below them. I know some people might be upset, maybe a little controversial, but because they're 4-1. But it's like UMass hasn't really beaten anyone. I mean, they beat us twice. They beat Fordham. I think – I can't forget the other team, but the resume is not there yet if they, you know – knock off any of the teams ahead of them. I'll move them up. Um, right below that, I'm going to put Rhode Island. Um, I think they, they actually beat Bonaventure, but they're kind of up and down. Um, they lost to Duquesne last night. Speaking of Duquesne, I have them at nine. I feel like it kind of stinks. You know, they lost Sincere Carey and a few other players, but I feel like they're kind of just on the edge of the pillow fight. And then number 10, talking about edge of pillow fight, I got Mason. You know, Mason's a pretty good team. They're a good front court. Um, pretty well coached by Paulson. Right, and then the pillow fight, I I got to go us at 11 right below that. But, you know, we're we're kind of in that mix. Right below us, I'm going to go George Washington. So below that, I'm going to go St. Joe's. I know St. Joe still doesn't have um, an 8-10 victory yet, but I just I just can't put them. I mean, I still – every time I watch St. Joe's, yeah. And it's always a close points. game, too. So it's like overtime losses. I, I can't make them. Over over, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, like, yeah. And right below them, last but not least, uh, <laughs> the You must be out of breath. <laughs> so so I, that's... I, I appreciate you, Rich, because you must be out of breath for, for, all, for all of that breakdown right there. That's much appreciated. And yeah. I, I can see that you have us in the pillow fight right now. Um, that 
I believe that will change. I believe we will escape bottom four. I, I think we're better than George Mason. We just didn't show it against them on the road, which I, I that sounds idiotic right now, but at the end of the day, I think we can be better than George Mason and Duquesne. Let's beat them. Let's show them. In the A-10 tournament, let's, let's get past the first round, please. That's my only wish. That's my only wish this season. Maybe, maybe surprise some people. But what? So, so when you say first round, is that like just beating Fordham, or you mean so obviously if, the next game? It after would be that? the next game after that. Because you know us, like okay, typically okay. a first round exit, regardless <laughs> of if it's the pillow fight or if it's, yeah. if it's technically mm-hmm. the first round. Um, so, Rich, thank you as always for the A10 power rankings, and uh, I believe that does it for this episode of the Gola Standard. Thank you, as always, for listening. Make sure you like, rate, subscribe, all that stuff. Follow us on Twitter. We always follow back. Rich, do you have any other thoughts to uh, close this out? No, I mean, or I'll just say I uh, appreciate everyone you know reaching out, like I said, uh, a little bit in this podcast. Um, you know, for all the, you know, for reaching out, being able to go on all these podcasts. I know we're not kind of there yet. I know we haven't really had any guests in our program, but I know we'll get there. So we're going to get some people on. That'll help us out too. Cause we, we're obviously learning about uh, the Atlantic 10 as a whole. I myself, especially. So it's always good to have some other guys on and other people talk about a 10 basketball to uh, learn more about the world we live in. So uh, soon we'll be, we'll be reaching out. We'll be bringing them on the pod. So looking forward to that. And uh, as always, it's a great day to be an explorer. Fight on.